Kohalet by Madison Scott Clary. R.J. Brewster, 2112. The theater purr. It hummed to itself. It stretched and reclined. It relaxed, unwound. RJ and the room let out a slow, long-held breath together, feeling muscles and wires relax, nerves and current disentangle themselves slowly, slowly. All right, everyone. It's midnight. Time to start packing up. Johansson was saying from down in the first row. Ross, we're short one. Can you start pulling together all of the mics? RJ will help get you sorted. Hmm. RJ offered through the sound system. May was busy putting the theater to bed and couldn't spare more than a few meager syllables to the rest of the cast and crew. Get a headset, Ross, so I don't have to talk through the speakers. Those speakers were signing off, going to bed one by one through RJ's gentle ministrations. The physical backup board set about the task of returning to neutral as RJ worked, all of the gain knobs orienting themselves, then all of the monitor knobs, the sliders, the whole system ticking through automated checklists as it cooled down, all minus the channel they'd need to keep open to Ross. Hey boss, got a headset. Where do you want me to start? Grab the leads first, RJ murmured. Then Sarah and Catherine, they've got the nice mics. All of them should have a tiny number painted on the costume side that matches up with their box. The boxes are stacked in the pit by the front wall. You should be able to get them out in one load, though be careful taking them back. Got it. Heading down to the pit now. RJ left the channel open just in case. The soft sounds of breathing and the occasional curse as Ross bumped his head on the pit cover were distracting while they set about going through her notes with the dozy theater. Best be available, though. The next night's rehearsal was the last one before they went live. A knew the show better than most of the cast, M in the theater. The two had to learn everyone's lines, plus a few cues beside when they'd have to take care not to pick up any of the sound effects, gunshots, chairs scraping, a scuffle, the clap of heels on the matte black of the stage itself. The theater's job was simply to work with RJ and the lighting crew, responding to their knowledge of what was going on with the play while RJ and Caitlin's job, as sound and lights respectively, was to respond to the stage manager's encyclopedic knowledge of the play, her view of the house. All sound was under RJ's jurisdiction. Cast and crew both, they spent as much time managing communication between the hands, the manager, himself, and Caitlin, as they did maintaining the sound from the performers. Private jokes kept on the down-low. They had to be ghosts in this, even the theater. Their jobs were ones that should be invisible to the audience because it would only become visible if they fucked up. No one wanted to fuck up. Even the theater seemed to feel a sense of pride in doing its job and doing it well. RJ soothed the room with gentle cooing and reluctantly started the process of pulling back. He closed the channel with Ross and put all of the headsets to bed last of all before I slipped back from the interface felt for that cool breeze of reality on the back of her neck, or whatever passed for a neck so immersed, and backed out, blinked as they adjusted to seeing the cavernous hall with her own eyes, lifted her fingers from the contact points, and leaned back from the headrest. A shook her head to clear it and stood, stretching before ambling from the tech booth down the stairs toward the stage, letting gravity carry her lanky form down two steps at a time. 
breeze against her face, the treble note of dust and conditioned air only added to the newborn feeling of pulling back. Ross was in the front row, standing still and staring at the floor, muttering agitated questions into the headset. Hey, Ross, I'm here. The house is sleeping now. Ross jumped, then looked embarrassed as he tugged the headset off his head. Sorry, was wondering where you'd gone. I just heard a beep. Yep, signing off from above. Did you get all the mics gathered up? Oh, yeah, that's what I was trying to tell you. I wasn't sure what to do next. It took only a few minutes for RJ and Ross to get the last of the sound gear settled. Headsets from all the hands socketed into numbered chargers on the wall. Everything would sleep tight until the next night on sound's end. Caitlin and Sarai, the stage manager, joined them with the rest of the crew. They sat on the edge of the pit cover, unwinding from the tenseness of rehearsal. The actors were slow to get out of their half-costume and clumped together on the stage. "'Gather round, children,' a voice boomed out from the darkened audience. "'Yes, Mr. Johansson,' one of the actors sing-songed back. Tired laughter. "'Good job. I think we're there. Still, a bit more polish never hurts.' No flubbed lines and mostly relaxed, but Sarah, you gotta loosen up. It's not Shakespeare. You can chill out. Crew, you guys got a little sluggish toward the end. I know it's late, but so are our shows. Don't work yourselves too hard, but keep on top of things, okay? RJ, Sarai, and Caitlin murmured their assent. Tomorrow night, back here at four. Early, RJ murmured. How come? Johansson grinned. There's a school production that winds up around then, and I want you all back here to make sure we still have a theater. There was a bit more grumbling, but RJ knew they'd be there on time. It wasn't too much of a stretch. Those with second jobs would make it work. Back to base, then. Get some rest tonight, and I'll catch you tomorrow. Remember, you can drink tonight, but tomorrow das ist streng verboten. The troop laughed and started to disperse, the tech leads lingering on the pit cover for a while longer as they reoriented themselves to the real world, a world bound by spatial constraints, limited by two eyes, two ears, two hands. Eventually, R.J. made her way out into the chill of the street, pulling on her thin, waterproof gloves to keep the contacts on the middle joints of her fingers clean and dry. Midnight on a weekday and not much was going on. People visiting the pubs to catch up with their friends after work. Black cabs, night buses. The idea of a warm pub and a quick pint before heading home tugged at him, but the pull of home was much stronger than that of beer. There would be a pub of a different sort waiting for him. A trudged up to Oxford Circus, Central Line up to Benthel Green, walked a few blocks from there to her flat, stopped to pick up a takeaway carton of curry and rice from one of the more trustworthy shops along the way. Once home, A slipped out of her jacket and welcomed the warmth of her little flat after the damp chill of London outside. Her cat trotted up to him, twining around her ankles, a little ginger thing of a few years that A'd rescued from a friend who was moving deeper into the city. She was the only one to share her space with him after her last flatmate had left for somewhere cheaper. Hey, Prissa, let me put my shit down before I get you food. A meow, indignant, followed him to the kitchen. A set her takeaway on the counter and scooped a cup of dry food into a fresh dish, setting it on the tile for the delicate cat. Indignant meows replaced by purring and crunching. A thumbed her phone to start music playing, some of the stuff that reminded him of her dad to go along with the curry that reminded him of her mom. Quiet, but present. Dinner was no more or less exciting than usual. RJ ate alone at the kitchen table with the carton spread out before him, bearing orange curry and the soggy samosa that had come with it. 
They left her gloves on just to be sure. No sense in having to clean air contacts more than they'd already need after a long rehearsal. A finished scooping the last of the curry into a plastic container for the next day's lunch, promising himself he'd cook an additional pot of rice before heading out in the afternoon so he'd have more calories to keep himself running. Clean up as easy as tossing the container into the compost bin, along with all the others. Cooking much more than rice was for times other than crunch. The rig in the corner of her bedroom was exerting subtle gravities on RJ. As they ran through the motions of the post-recital evening, eating, cleaning, storing leftovers, using the toilet, her orbits grew smaller and smaller. Her gloves were itching. It could feel phantom breezes brushing past phantom fur. Phantom fur. Phantom ears. Phantom tail. Phantom realities teased around the edges of her perception. He finally allowed himself to sit down at her rig, relaxing into the familiar curves of the chair. Even with the draw so close to him, he took her time. He picked up Prissa and stroked her smoothly from ears to tail a few times until she started purring up a storm, informing her that, in fact, she was the prettiest kitty. Peel off your gloves one finger at a time, he thought. Relish the anticipation. Get caught up in it. Hell, let it linger. Cat settled into her lap and curled into a small crescent. A set about cleaning the contacts on her hands with lint-free paper and rubbing alcohol. Those done, a wiped down the headrest, removing the negligible residue of sweat and skin oils that had collected there, clean enough as is. A had recently replaced the soft padded headrest where her forehead would lay. Her gear at home was more elaborate than the stuff in the tech booth at work a shared with Sarai and Caitlin. A had drained her savings to acquire it. The rig, as well as the contacts on her fingers, the interferites, nanoscale implants that took over her optic and auditory nerves, and the electroparalytics to keep him from acting out in reality what took place online. The NFC connections implanted just under her hairline and their ramifying tendrils. All that painful work down her spine that helped him more fully experience the connection. All worth it. Connections and gear cleaned, RJ finally felt complete enough to pop open the lid on her rig. The screen, all but vestigial while it was inside, still served its role during boot and login. A quickly keyed in her passphrase, then rested her right hand on the curved pad, fingers sliding into familiar grooves that held her hand in place. The connection from air contacts, the other half of air two factors of authentication. Gonna head in, Prissa, a murmured to her cat, stroking over her ears, fingering the soft velveteen folds until the cat shook her head away. Purrs, nonetheless, ratcheted up a notch. I'll be back in a bit. A set her left hand into its cradle, tilting her head against the headrest, feeling the comforting touch of cool microfiber and the little twinge of recognition from the NFC controllers. A nudged the button beneath their thumb. The rig went immersive. As RJ delved in, the soft hum of a cooling fan picked up to handle the waste heat of countless computations. A could no longer hear it. You've been listening to Kohalet by Madison Scott Clary, book one of the Post-Self Trilogy, read by the author. Kohalet and this podcast are released under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. Music by Chad Crouch, released under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial license.
Kohalet is available as a paperback and ebook at kohalet.makyo.inc. That's Q O H E L E T H dot M A K Y O dot I N K. If you'd like to support more of my writing, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash makyo. That's patreon.com slash M A K Y O. Thanks for listening. Toledot, Post Self, Book 2, comes out January 21st, 2022. You can learn more at toledot.makyo.inc. That's T-O-L-E-D-O-T dot M-A-K-Y-O dot I-N-K. You can also find the series at post-self.makyo.inc. I do hope, once you're done with Kohalet, you give it a read. <laughs>